Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Twyla True, CEO and co-founder of True Family Enterprises. And if you want to build a valuable relationship, you should be listening to Build Your Network with my good friends, Travis Kappel and Eric Skorzynski. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. Twyla, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you. So nice to be here. Yeah, it's it's really good to get to talk to you. And I know you've got a ton of things that you're a part of and are working on, but I want to take the conversation back to the beginning. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. Like, what were you looking at? What was the path that you were initially kind of set on? And uh, what were you thinking your life was going to look like as a as a kid growing up? You know, um, it's so interesting because zero to, I would say about four is all a huge mystery. Around five, six, you know, as you're growing up, you start to have memories and, or you can start to recall things and you look back and uh, for me, it was like, wow, I only see pictures as young as, I don't see anything younger than five, maybe or four. So what I can gather is I do know, I, I can tell you what I know. I know that I was adopted by a great Hispanic man in El Monte at around the age of five. 
I don't know who my father is. I'm not quite sure uh, exactly where I was born. Um, I am a Lakota native. So uh, that means that I'm part of the Ogallala tribe, the poorest reservation in the country. So um, I'm sorry, not just the poorest reservation, the poorest place in the country. So my very, very young roots, I do remember a lot of uh, native events. Um, I remember a native thread. And so although I can tell you right now that it's the poorest place in the country, I didn't know that at the time. I can tell you at the time it was rich in culture. I didn't have any really needs or wants because emotionally it was all set because the way the natives kind of are is we're all related. The tribe takes care of everybody. So I didn't know who my dad was, you know, family was kind of dysfunctional, but I didn't realize that because everybody else sort of filled in. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I remember you, you mentioned that interview. I think you said the average, the average income was like $3,000 a year or was something very, very shockingly low. I forget what the number was. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. It's $3,000 a year, 90% unemployment, highest, uh, highest infant mortality rate mm. in the West hemisphere. So, you know, statistically, it's a rough place, but uh, again, spiritually, and as far as providing for each other love and support, they're very rich in that. Right, right. So you mentioned like not really recognizing, and I think that's true of so many people, like when you grow up in something, you know, you don't notice necessarily the bad until you're, or the things that, that might be what people would look at as like a, something that would hold you back. Did you ever feel like you had limitations on what you'd be able to accomplish? Or did you always have this feeling like I can do anything? I've got this supportive community around me. And what was that vision? Like, what did you hope to accomplish kind of growing up? I always felt like I could do anything. Probably for in two really, one's very odd. But first, my grandmother, a very traditional Native woman, and my stepfather, who I always, you know, finally think back and... He was my father, not because he had to be, because I was born to him. He was my father simply because I needed one. And so my grandmother, being rich in culture, a man in a female's life is so empowering. So between the two of them, that was my destination. Mm -hmm. You know, I, my father, when I, he was a Vietnam veteran, cursed like a sailor, watched boxing matches, you know, on the weekends with his friends, played poker until the moment I walked in the room, they all stood up or they better and they'd all better, you know, not curse and, and have this language. So I was just kind of raised in that. And again, it had nothing to do with monetary. He was a mechanic. It was all a, you know, a process in the head of how you're treated and, and respect is, is something that's provided. It's not a monetary thing. The other thing is I always felt, so one was family. Second is I always had an ambition to want to provide for myself and be self-sustaining. So I think when, when the two, if the two are there, then, you know, the opportunity can explode. Gotcha. Gotcha. Who was maybe the biggest impact as far as like your, your direction? Like who is the person who was like the biggest maybe motivator or mentor that you can remember? I would say first, definitely my, my father. And then I would say that it was then seated and sprinkled all the way across my whole life. So from 
um, a tennis coach to an English teacher, you know, that, that um, it just took a few minutes after school and, you know, helped with inspiration. So I would say all along the way, there was just always people who took a little bit of time or a little bit of interest. Yeah, I would, I would honestly say it was that. So that's why it's so important for me now to complete that circle or complete that cycle. Right, right. What was your first kind of venture into kind of this world that you're in now? Because I mean, you've invested in so many incredible things. Like what was kind of your first step into your own business venture? What did that look like for you? If I look back at my at my work history, so I am, I never finished um, if any formal education. So what happened was I really, really wanted to provide for myself as a female. I'm 51 years old. And at that time, people married for financial security or, you, you know, probably you just, you married really. And right. so that really wasn't just, wasn't something I, I wanted to do. I wanted to do it for myself. I didn't have the opportunity for a formal education, so I um, would just start working at nights. Hmm. And I noticed that every single thing I did, the highest paid people were always salespeople. And yet to navigate a company, you had to understand an income statement. So I always tried to work in sales. And at night, I went to night school for accounting. Hmm. That's awesome. Did you feel like you had a knack for that specifically for like the financial kind of side of things? Or was it something where it just kind of, it just made sense to kind of go that route? I would say that I was kind of geekily interested in it. Yeah. I looked at the income statement and maybe it wasn't even the interest, but making money or how you made money. Right. The interest. So I, I wasn't a born accountant where even now I, it's tedious to me. It made sense on, okay, if this is how you make $10, I need to understand this. Salesmanship is also just something I found that not a lot of females were in because we weren't really given those tools at a very young age. You know, you weren't really, the way you entered the room, the way you conversed, the ability to have the ask, how you asked, or maybe we just didn't have mentors in front of us. You know, I had my grandmother, I, um, you had other females, but no one who kind of did that. And so I often talk about, you know, that those are skill sets that women really need to, you know, expand themselves in. Right. Absolutely. When's the first time that you feel like you really experienced success within your career? Like when you obviously getting started educating yourself on it, desiring to find out how to make money. When's the first time the rubber really met the road? And you were able to, to see that pay off in a big way. I was um, working for a company called Synthane Taylor. I was 27 years old. And I had always, I had, what I typically did is I went up the ropes in different companies. They can, all companies can start out super small. It doesn't matter if it's a one-man company, a 3,000-man company, income statement's the same, you know, all of that. So Around 27, I had done my typical where this was maybe my fourth position. I had worked for every position, accounting, operations, sales. And so at 27, I bought my first house. I had two cars. For someone that grew up in El Monte, California, you know, this was this was success. You know, it was yeah. self-sufficient. So it's, I would say that that was when I could buy my own stuff. 
and I provided my own roof was when I, I first took the bike. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. How, how did that feel? Did you feel like this, did it, did you feel the weight of that accomplishment when it happened? Like, did you feel this excitement or like this, man, I, I made it to this point really in a lot of ways, not by yourself. You had a lot of support, but like to really say like, I did this, like I got to uh, this point. At the moment I thought I was a rock star. Hmm. You know, I just thought that was it. I was there. I was, I was ha- a super happy camper. Yeah. And then uh, I probably in all honesty would have been just fine right there. But uh, I had been volunteered for a, um, to be, let's say, fourth or fifth on the emergency list. And so I was sitting in a boardroom. Someone volunteered, okay, if there's an emergency, who are we going to call, you know, if the, if the CEO goes down, who's second, who's third? So I'm fourth or fifth. And this person across from me, you know, kind of snickers, right? Like, because um, I'm down the list, right? I was pretty happy with it. If that person wouldn't have snickered at me, I probably would have just been comfortable. So, you know, I was always the type of person too that anything that came my way bad or hard or I didn't wallow a lot, I didn't, that gave me inspiration or courage or whatever it was to kind of, you know, go for it again. Right. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of a point. Right. Well, obviously you've kept doing this over and over again in your career, and now you've invested in over 50 companies. You've got a a long list of things from studios. You're getting ready to open up uh, some new locations here in Vegas. You've got a jewelry store. Like, How has this expanded and how have you grown at such a rapid rate in such a short period of time? Because you are very young to have this many companies under you. How have you you maintained that growth and kept expanding without sacrificing the quality of all these different companies. Oh, thank you. You know, to be honest, there's always a few false starts at at the beginning, 100%. And, you know, I think it was quickly learning what worked, what didn't work. If I could go back to my younger self, it would be probably just getting in and or out of things faster. Sometimes, you know, you, you want to wait until the last minute until you sort of, you know, pull out or rein them in. But the once I kind of got the hang of, okay, this is what works, this is what didn't work, I probably, or I can tell you, I just went quicker at a, at a faster pace is, is one. I recognize, I understood quickly, the success of one business just allowed me to then go on to the success or go on to something else. I stick to a few verticals. So I'm in real estate, consumer goods, and entertainment. The things that didn't work for me are, I think I mentioned, you know, I got my first house. I thought I was a rock star. When I thought that I had my first, when I thought that I had my first success in business, I thought I was a rock star. And then you get into something that you think, well, just because I did this means that now I can get into technology. Mm. Can't, it still don't totally get that. So I don't invest in that oil, you know, things like forget about it. Um, I don't sound very smart. So I go deep in a few lanes and now I stay in those lanes. Right. How, how do you know? Because there's a lot of people who obviously, I mean, 2020 was a big down for a lot of people who, especially anyone who started a company, unless you started a mask uh, company right before uh, 2020, like then you're doing fine. But a lot of people starting these companies, they're going through the ups and downs of business. 
how do you know when to hang in there as an investor, as an entrepreneur, and wait for it to go back up? And when do you know it's time to walk away? How do you, is it all, is it mainly a gut feeling? Is it a balance of, is it purely numbers? Is it a balance of both? When do you decide to hang on versus when do you know when to kind of fold them? So I definitely always know my numbers. I'm always involved. So I always say that I shake hands with two people in my businesses, and that's my legal side and my financial side. Hmm. So I can talk about a business and, and, you know, recite that income statement. I participate in all of those financial reviews, and I run a business with financial statement in hand. So I say that. The second thing that I do is... uh, I try to balance two things, which is I'm always a student of a business because I've been knocked down before out of thinking that I know so much. I'm just super humble now. And there's uh, what else can I learn? What else can I know? What? So constantly uh, learning and understanding about it. I, and I think one of the things we want to talk about is networking and, you know, talking to others. Mm-hmm. So I think when your mindset is that you're always a student and, and you don't know what you don't know, and then you do network and you do talk to people and, and understand and extract from them what worked and what didn't work. And then, you know, that uh, all a blend of all those things kind of work. And I do have to say, you get out of something that for me, I get out of it what I put in. So mm-hmm. I've never really had wow, I just landed on something and I was at the right place at the right time. I, I've never had such luck. I no. mean, uh, I've had to work and work and work and, you know, give up some things for that. And um, then, you know, it's kind of seemed like that's when it's paid off. Right. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash 
Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. This kind of leads, I mean, you brought up the networking thing, and we ask this question to everybody that comes on the show. Do you believe that who you know or the what you know is more important in business and why? I would say that I'll go with what you know first, and then I go with who you know. I think that um, before I get into anything, and if I'm going to speak to something, knowledge is the most, knowledge is the biggest piece of it, of everything for me. Hmm. So I will continue to, I'm probably insatiable on knowledge and understanding, but now if I back that into networking, a lot of my knowledge does come from, hmm. does come from networking. Right, right. Uh, I, I asked who had been the biggest influence. You, you mentioned that was kind of a lot of people, like there's too many people to kind of really say, oh, it's just one. But can you think of uh, maybe like mentorships in general, like how important that's been to your overall kind of work and business? Do you try to go for formal mentorships? Are you part of any masterminds? How do you kind of intentionally seek out those types of relationships? I intentionally do that by... Um meeting other people. I mean, today, back in the day, it was a lot of conferences. It was a lot of finding other people, like-minded people. So I do surround myself with like-minded people. Um, you know, again, back in the day, when I found that even friendships and things like that, you know, if I, wherever I spent my time, if I spent my time with a lot of friends where uh, whatever was important to them it is kind of where I ended up spending my time. So like-minded people, um, you know, back when it was a lot of conferences, it's crazy now how what LinkedIn does for you. Zoom is a boom for me hmm. because the amount of time that I used to have to travel, get off the plane, go through security, you know, do all of these things. And so we talked about, you know, COVID and how it's affected people and not affected people. I mean, for me, it's terrible. The, uh, all the things that are bad, but for some of the positives, People and their relationships have gone deeper. People want to visit uh, more often. And um, yeah, as I said, if you do have a relationship, they go they go deeper, not wider. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In your business, I mean, obviously you're getting ready to launch two physical locations. You know, do you have any trepidation doing something like that during kind of coming out of the end of what happened in 2020? Has it affected the way that you've thought about investing? Are you still kind of going boldly into these new investments or is it something where now it's changed how you think about where you put money or whether or not to open up a physical location or something like that? It's definitely totally changed. So, you know, when I think of some of our portfolios, so we're pretty deep in a real estate portfolio. I can honestly tell you that what we do today is single family residential, uh, large portfolio, mostly in Texas. Right before COVID, uh, we were looking to get into other areas. We had sold some holdings in some other states. Would have been happy to get into hospitality, office, uh, some of these other things. Really couldn't find the right cap rates to get involved in that. So it was not there. That's where luck comes in. It was not really that we had no idea that COVID was going to happen. It hit and we are having the best time ever financially in our real estate portfolio because we weren't holding you know new york apartments we were holding we're holding 
housing outside of major urban areas. Hmm. So, you know, I, I, I hate to tell you that that was a, a stroke of whatever it is, um, whatever. I sometimes attribute it to also just a, a yin and yang of the way things work. Hmm. I can honestly say that if I, um, if I sort of do the right thing, I do right by myself, by my family, by friends, if I volunteer, if I do all of these sort of things, many times, you know, the most of the time for me, the things they do return. Yeah. And, uh, that again also helps with, you know, networking, how, the perception of, of people and how they relate to you, uh, that they want to do business with you because people do want to do business with, with good people. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I, I think a lot of people, struggle to name what that is, you know, like you, I've heard some people make it really mystical. You know, if you put good into the universe, it comes back to you. And other people say, you know, there's that law of reciprocity and, you know, but I think whatever it is, I think if you have a mindset that's looking to add value, bottom line is you're probably going to end up being more successful. Like whatever that is, whatever the reason is, that definitely seems to be the case. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The bottom line is if you're a good person, people want to work with you. Like that's a that's a pretty baseline practical application that anyone can take advantage of. You don't have to be the smartest in the room, but if you make people feel a certain way, you're probably going to get a lot more positive connections and and outcomes. So that's awesome. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And it's been, it's worked out really well. It's worked out and one of the things I abide by. If you look at some of the other businesses and, and companies, uh, jewelry store number two um, in the resort world, the largest casino being built in Vegas, um, wouldn't have done it if it was, if it was, you know, there's other industries that, so everything is timing and what is the industry and definitely knowing what the mentality of people, mm. the consumers. So I try to spend a lot of time in knowing and understanding that. And it, in the middle of COVID, uh, crazy or not, you know, motorcycles, jewelry, um, RVs, um, you know, all of these sorts of things are doing fantastic because it's all human behavior. So our residential homes went up and are doing really well because people got out of apartments, got out of city central and went into, hmm. you know, single family homes. Homes have become more important because you spend so much time there. You know, you're yeah. not going into office you want an office at home people are going to vegas vegas is going to go back to sin city and mm. it and when i say that tongue-in-cheek because that means different things to different people right but we're pent up they they want to go out they want to get out and uh vegas i think is going to do very well because of that yeah no definitely definitely agree and you can already see it like i live here in vegas so I already see when when I drove by the strip the other day, it's it's getting very busy again, and people are just wanting to go out, have a good time, like you said, and and it's it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting to see things kind of going back to normal and uh, taking a turn in the right direction. And it's obviously very exciting for you because you've got two big businesses getting ready to launch out here, so that extra traffic is going to be a good thing. So. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm going to transition us here into our final segment of the show. It's our random round segment. So I'm going to ask you some quick random questions and get your, uh, your quick answers to them. First off, what profession other than your own do you think it'd be fun to attempt? I'd love to be an artist. Hmm. Like a, like a painter or like, like a, painter. yeah. 
That'd be awesome. I think because I use so much of the left side of my brain or whichever side that is, that uh, creativity um, is just a beautiful gift. Yeah, absolutely. What do you like to do when you're learning? How do you learn best? Is it through books, podcasts? Is it watching videos? What's your best mode of learning? Podcasts, uh, videos, and writing it down. What's your, What's maybe one or two of your favorite podcasts that you tune into? Can't name one. I've listened to, I listen to many. So yours would definitely be one of mine. Awesome. Awesome. That's always good. That was the right answer. So we pass on that one. Um, give us a glimpse of your morning routine. I make a list. Um, it's got two boxes. One that I've started on the left. That list, I have three phases on my list. One is before I go to bed. The second is this month. And the third is this year. And every single morning I make that list. I sit down, I have a cup of coffee with my husband, check in on the kids. And then I'm pretty checked out until about six or seven in the evening. Gotcha. Gotcha. What's your go-to pump up song? Billie Eilish. And it's the uh, bad boy song. Yeah. 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 That's uh, my, my wife loves that song. Uh, so that's awesome. Uh, what are you not very good at? I'm not very good at, uh, I would say, I'm not very good at singing. Hmm. Really? really? I'm actually really surprised at that because I know you've done so much with like the musical world. I thought that would be part of your, uh, I thought that'd be part of your talent set. That's really surprising. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a shower singer, you know, a car singer. Uh, okay. I think I'm okay, but uh, no, it's not, it's not something I think that I'm, uh, I like to do out in public. Gotcha. Well, uh, last question. Where is the one place online people can connect with you the most? Online, um, you know, they can probably go to my website or you can DM me on Instagram. I actually don't post a lot. Um, I try to remain uh, semi-private, but I do answer the DMs. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me in the show and definitely be sure to connect with Twyla over on Instagram. Uh, send her a direct message. Just let her know you heard her on the show and uh, it would be great to connect with her. Thank you so much again for, for coming on. Eric, thank you so much. It's been so nice to connect with you. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.